0: Let's talk little women.
1: So you, have okay, I just watched the trailer, like, about an hour or two ago. Me
0: too. Cried.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, tell me what you think of the cast.
0: Okay, I was always on board for Saoirse. Yes. Always and forever. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Had questions about Emma Watson as Meg. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what? Here for it. Yes. Here for it. Who is the young woman who's playing Beth? She's been on something else. I recognize her face. Wait, Beth.
1: Is that the one who? Yeah. Okay, she, that's um, Sharp Objects.
0: Thank you! Which, oh my gosh, let me just go. Maybe I should just go back and rewatch Sharp Objects. So good. That show was perfect. Yes. That was perfect. Did it win things? It should have won things. It was
1: nominated for it, but like, it's, It's Amy Adams is my queen, but.
0: Anyway, okay, so that's where I recognize Mm -hmm. her from. Um, Okay, my big, and this is my people on the internet, like one of the women I love, um, posted and she was like, how do we feel about Timothy? Because most of Mm. us grew up with Christian Bale. Yes. I don't want to speak too soon, but I think I'm here for Timothy.
1: I'm here, like, okay. I think I'll be okay. I'm here for him. Like, listen, I saw Call Me By Your Name. (laughs) Like, I'm here for him, like, today, yesterday, tomorrow. Forever. Forever. Um, I do have, like, a quick little game I want to play. Okay. Okay, so let's say that Disney decided to make um, to, start to make Little Women back in like 2004. Okay. Okay, and here's and the, the four reigning queens, we can interchange some of these, but the four reigning queens at the time were Hilary Duff. Okay. Raven Simone. Okay. Uh, Christy Carlson Romano from Even Stevens. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lindsay Lohan. Okay. Who would you cast as who?
0: Okay, this is fun. Um, wait a minute, list, okay, that Romano girl, Even Stevens, mm-hmm. she's Meg. Yes. Um... Who was the first girl you named Hillary? Hillary. Oh my God. <laughs> I have personal vendettas against Hillary Duff, even though on Younger. But I also don't like her. Right. Okay. Whatever. It's a thing. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, Hillary Duff because of my prior feelings. <laughs> oh, no. My okay. My gut said Raven is Amy was my mm-hmm. gut. Um, but I also really don't like Hillary Duff. So, I'm going to put Hillary as Amy.
1: Okay.
0: I have... Look, and if you're listening, Amy, think. If you're listening, I do love you. Um, and I do like people named Amy. It just takes me a minute. Like, I feel like I have said publicly so often that I don't like women named Amy. And I do... Guys, I'm a human. Like, yeah. I, it's just me being Malvi. I do <laughs> like people who are named Amy. It just takes me a second. Yeah. Okay, so Hillary is Amy. Okay. I think Raven is... I think Raven is Joe mm-hmm. and Lindsay is Beth. Can okay. Lindsay play sickly though? She could now. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. so we just rewatched Parent Trap. I didn't tell you this. You did. We just, yeah. I, we finally bit the bullet and paid to rent it because That's I was okay. like, I feel this is a summer movie. I want to watch it. We did a marathon. We did Parent Trap and then we did Top Gun.
1: Okay. That's <laughs> You fair. know, as one
0: does. Um, <laughs> First of all, you have seen that Parent Trap, of uh, course. Obviously,
1: I own it. Did you
0: know that Marvus, like one of the women at the beginning, yes. is is Janice from Friends? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did not. Okay, but we, Jordan and I were watching it, and even Jordan was like, man, she was so talented. What a waste.
1: Listen, she, listen, I am like, when my novel's published, the first thing I'm going to ask, when, when I, they're like, okay, we're going to make a movie, I'm going to say, my top two casting choices: Amy Adams. Lindsay Lohan. You think
0: Lindsay still can do it, though?
1: Yes. Like, I listen, I'm going to rehabilitate her. I'm going to save her life. Like, she's going to be an Oscar winner. If
0: those are the four queens, who, what casting do you think?
1: Uh, listen.
0: The Romano girl is obviously men. That's
1: That was mine. Like, yeah. There's that's no one the else. E- yes. That's easy. Yes. Um, like, I'm trying to think about, like, where Raven at is at with her age.
0: Yeah. Well, because um, I thought, that's why, it was a toss-up for me. Raven mm-hmm. or Hillary as Amy. Mm-hmm. Um... But Beth is kind of this quiet, sickly young woman, and all of those women, Did the Disney Channel is so loud. hmm You could maybe do Romano as Beth, mm-hmm. because she's got the maturity to play Beth. Right. And then you could do Meg as, I would probably do Meg as Lindsay then.
1: Yeah, This is fun, though, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <it>
0: could, <laughs> it if, if you could,
1: this. if you could interchange any of the cast, well, who would it be?
0: Like, from the current, from the new cast?
1: No, from, like, the Disney cast.
0: (laughs) If I could interchange. What do you mean? Like, if
1: you could change, like, like, if you could, like, take out one of the actresses and put in another, like, Disney reigning queen at the time.
0: Oh, I would take out, um, Hillary.
1: Okay, I figured. I just... Which, did you guys know, I'm just gonna tell you, like, in case you can respond here, (laughs) did you guys know that Emma Stone was originally cast? Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, I I did. Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: I would be here for that I know I love her so much but I think I'm gonna be okay with the Emma Watson thing you know what else I really liked from the preview first of all if you are like Hunter and didn't like Little Women or if you're like me and loved Little Women which I totally think has to do on who you are as a person and how old you are when you read it um, but you should read a literary critique of it whether there's a new one coming out this fall and I can't remember the name of it the one I read last year and loved was Meg Jo Beth be- Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, mm-hmm. um, read it before the movie because um, I think, based on what I saw in the preview, we're going to get a more, um, I think we might actually get more of the adult story of these mm-hmm. women. I love Little Women with Winona Ryder. I do. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we focus on the front half of the story instead of the back half Mm -hmm. and I understand why the front half has more I think nostalgia feel Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we're gonna get based on some of the dialogue I heard from Meg and Joe Mm -hmm. and Amy like I finished that movie preview and thought will I Finish watching this movie and like Amy now? Or will right. she at least be partially redeemed for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I because I think we're gonna get these young women in their complicated adulthoods a yeah. little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I hope so.
0: The music the music sent me into chills.
1: Yeah.
0: Greta Gerwig and Phoebe, whatever her name is from Fleabag, mm-hmm. they're all I want in this world. Know, they're my they're my goals. Mm-hmm.
1: Fleabag too, man. Mm.
0: To episode 236 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and it's Backlist Book Club Day. Uh, today I am joined by the one and only Hunter McClendon.
1: I'm um, from Shelf by Shelf on Instagram, which, like, I know, like, listen, I know that if you're gonna follow me, you've already done it, but, um, <laughs> But, but yeah, still, maybe. I keep wanting to say Shelf by Shelf West because of you. I know. And I almost changed it the other day because I was like, I can't stop thinking <laughs> Shelf by Shelf West. Look,
0: the day you have a festival, a literary festival. Yes. I want the credit. That's okay. all I ask okay. for, is the credit. I want when people are like, oh my gosh, Shelf by Shelf West, what a good hashtag. <laughs> I just want you to be like, yeah, my friend Annie did that. I will. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I want. Okay. Um, so if you are listening to this and you are a regular Backlist Book Club listener, you will notice that there are two voices rather than three. Um, Emily McKenna is the owner of Your Maker in downtown Thomasville. If you are local and even if you are far away, you, are far away, you should check out all the cool things she is doing. You can follow her on Instagram at Your Maker, Y-O-U-R-E. Um, but Emily is choosing to focus on her business right now and grow all the awesome things happening at Your Maker. So for right now, Backlist Book Club is going to be me and Hunter. So hopefully, hopefully, two voices will satisfy your needs.
1: Dynamic duo. That's right.
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be fine. So we miss Emily, but we wish her nothing but the best. Um, and today, I'm pretty excited about this conversation. Me too. Um, because we're going to be talking about the Goldfinch. So, we're going to do the first probably three quarters of this conversation spoiler free, mm-hmm. um, though we might allude to some things. So, if you have not read The Goldfinch, you might want to wait and listen to this episode in its entirety after finishing. Or you can listen as long as you're okay, kind of getting plot synopses and things, mm-hmm. and then stop listening at the spoiler point. Yeah. Um, but I will go ahead and put out there that I think this book is best gone into blind, if yeah. you can. It's been out a few years. Yeah. But if you can, I think go into it blind. Let's talk about our history with this book first. So okay. tell me about your relationship with The Goldfinch.
1: Okay, so I read this book, all, like, a little bit over five years ago. I Like, I literally read it five years exactly from the time I first read it.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: which, like, funny little side story. I was reading this book the first time I ever met Annie, which <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> But, Our um, friendship
0: has come full circle. I know! And and the copy of the Goldfinch I'm reading was bought for me by Hunter.
1: Which is, like, a while back, too. Like listen, This has been... Yeah. It is. Oh, no, yeah.
0: I can see where the
1: sticker was. I know. I'm trash. It's fine. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I love it. But, like, yeah, I read... Like, it's really funny, because it had... I think it was around the time I had just won the Pulitzer whenever I started it, and... Or a little bit after, and it's right I... right when I
0: took over the bookshelf. Yeah. Thereabouts, yeah.
1: And I was, like, well, I was... I had, I don't read what books are about before I start them. And so I opened it up and I thought, oh, this book will be like Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> and then I read it and I had no idea what, what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And then it just like took me away yeah. and I could not put it down for a week.
0: You have loved it and raved about it for years. Yes. That's why you bought me this copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, because this book came around, came out around the time I was like fully taking over the store it's one of those books that was selling itself. And mm-hmm. so I chose not to read it. It's a tome, mm-hmm. like we, which we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. And I, for whatever reason, I, instead, I remember, instead, I read The Secret History. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to be familiar with her work. And I want to be knowledgeable when people come in and talk to me about this. But I don't have time to read this book right now. Yeah. Um, and it's already selling itself. So why don't I read her backlist? So I read The Gold Pen- I mean, I read The Secret History. Um, I'm so glad I read this book. Yeah. I am so glad I read it. It is so good and I'm I put off watching the movie trailer. like mm-hmm. I did not watch or read spoilers. like I am so glad I went into this book blind and I'm so glad I read it. I think um, not only did not only was I deterred by it being super popular and kind of mm-hmm. selling selling itself, but I did have a couple of customers back then. Kind of be like, ugh, didn't like it. Like the, he he is drug addled for half mm-hmm. the book, and so he goes off on these monologues or these tangents. You know the main character, mm-hmm. and so I think I was almost picturing like Ayn Rand, yes. like uh, but tangents and and of, uh, of somebody like under the influence. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, that doesn't sound like something I'm interested <laughs> in. But what a disservice that yeah. that particular complaint does to this book. Um, we can talk about. CO, and and yes, there is a lot of drug use in this book, but I did not find there to be like drug addled ramblings mm-hmm. that would deter, that should put off somebody from reading yes. this. So if that, if you're like me, <laughs> that's a weird, that's a weird um, reason not to read something. But if you're like me and you also have been putting off reading this because of that, don't. Yeah. Don't. That's a, that's, I don't, I did not find that criticism to hold, mm-hmm. to, to remain true. Um, okay. Okay. So when we talked about what we were going to, how we were going to discuss the Goldfinch, I guess I want to, first of all, give a synopsis. Can you do that for us? Can you kind of give a brief overview of, it's hard. But it is
1: hard. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a coming of age story about a boy named Theo, Theo Decker who, um, I mean, I can say like what...
0: Yeah, I think the basic premise. Okay,
1: well, so he's like, basically, um, he's at a museum when a bomb goes off and um and his mother ends up passing away and he steals a painting from the museum. And it's kind of about his journey with this painting throughout his like formative years. Yeah. And it, which in that way, it doesn't as sound as eventful, but it is a very eventful journey. Yeah,
0: it's not one of those. I think um, we talk a lot on the podcast about whether something is character-driven or plot-driven. Mm-hmm. I actually think for a book that spends a lot of time building its characters deeply. This is mm. a plot-driven book. Like yes. I, for 700 plus pages, I was hooked. Yeah. Um, we can talk about the couple of places where I felt like it dragged slightly. Um, but overall, I was very much propelled throughout, yeah. through this novel. Um, But I didn't know, again, I didn't know what I was getting into, so a lot of the things, like even the basic things you just said were shocking to me. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, they're going to a museum. Mm-hmm. You said you thought this was gonna be Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. For whatever reason, Immediately from the first page, I was like, oh, I'm getting Where'd You Go Bernadette vibes or mm-hmm. Marianne Palm vibes. Because you've get, got kind of this mother who at first appears to be a little bit distant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then throughout the book, we learn about her relationship with, with Theo and what their mother-son, Chris is always asking for mother-son books, and here you go. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe this has been under my nose the whole time. But The Goldfinch to me is a mother-son story. Yes. Um, but it does not take the turn It doesn't. Not only does it not take the comedic turn of Bernadette Mm -hmm. and Marion Palm, but it really is not. The book does not belong to the mother. The book belongs to Theo, Mm -hmm. and in that way, it way more reminds me of Catcher in the Rye. That, like to me, that was what the whole book very much reminded me of. As if, Mm -hmm. as if we got, um, you know, ten years with Holden instead of what an afternoon. What do we get with him? It's very brief. Yeah. Um, So. When this book came out, it won the Pulitzer, Mm -hmm. um, but it also received some criticism because it won the Pulitzer. So let's talk about the criticism it received and whether or not we think that criticism is fair.
1: Yeah. Like people, which a lot of people do not like this book. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of people felt like it was very juvenile in the writing Mm -hmm. um, and they felt like it was, I mean, they felt it was really excessive and... They and, I, they, and the drug use that those are like the three main things that I saw like from both critics and readers.
0: Do you, I mean, you said you loved this book. I mm-hmm. read it and thought, of course this won the Pulitzer. Right. And to me, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially what has won the Pulitzer in the last few years. Right. Well, this
1: is very Pulitzer. Like, I mean this, like, I mean the, the year before this, Swamplandia was a finalist and they're very similar in that it's about a, it's about grief and about like a child growing up. Yeah. Like,
0: and I think, did did All That We Cannot See win a couple years after this? A year
1: after, I think. Okay.
0: to Yeah, I feel like we've got very similar theme Like, this very much fits within the Pulitzer mold, for yes. better or worse. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it reads like a Pulitzer winning book. Um, I think, I don't know that the drug criticism is fair. Like, yeah. I feel like. As an adult reading this, and we're going to talk about this, I mostly was saddened yes. by what Theo is doing and what they're do, what he and his friends are doing to their bodies, and it and it makes mostly made me sad as like mm-hmm. an adult reader. Um, but it very much has to do with who Theo is mm-hmm. and and the growth that he's experienced and experiencing and the grief he's enduring. Yes, he's numbing himself. Mm-hmm. Um. So to me, the drugs were necessary. Mm-hmm. Um. And I did not find them to be distracting or anything like that. Length, I this novel propelled me. I was never bored. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. I was never bored. You and I talked off mic about, um, this book is hard to hold. Yes. Like, I do, like, I think this is the first time in my life I've ever thought, I see why people read electronically. Like, yeah. Like, which I will never do. No, <laughs> no.
1: Like, that's the thing. Like, there was a moment where I was like, should I get this on my phone? And I was like, no.
0: No, no. no. Um, but, it is so heavy. Yeah. And if you're like me and you read in bed, it is a real challenge.
1: <laughs> you have to like, like twirl yourself around just to get the right I was about right to say, angle. I
0: laid on my side and like laid the book on the bed,
1: which... Then your elbow hurts yes. and you have like this tension. Look, it yeah. shows
0: how weak of a person I am, but it's fine. Um, I did think there were a couple of points in the book where I was like, wish this could be a little shorter. One portion is there is pretty much the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Holden Theo leaves New York mm-hmm. and spends some time in Vegas. Mm-hmm. The Vegas section does go on for maybe longer than I needed it to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, a lot happens there. So again, yeah. I'm not bored. Right. I'm not overwhelmed. I think more than anything, I felt bogged down by the sadness, and I yeah. think it's when I. I think that's when. Um, we began texting each other because I didn't realize you were rereading it. So I texted you out of the blue and I was like, this book is sad. Yeah. This book is sad. I very much, um, Catcher in the Rye and A Little Life. Mm -hmm. To me, if they marry, they create the goldfish. I agree. Um, And so there was a point about halfway through when I was kind of in the middle of the Vegas section where I was like, I feel heavy like mm-hmm. uh, I need to finish this Vegas section because because <laughs> this is sad
1: it is anxiety inducing yes
0: it absolutely
1: which we've talked before about like my 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 youthful existence and how crazy it was so when I first read this I was just like oh it's just life. and then like when you text <laughs> your you baby buffet existence yeah well like so like I've grown past a lot of that and reading this five years later I was like oh these poor babies. And, yes. And yeah, and that's another thing too is that I think the older you are when you read this, the more heartbreaking it is.
0: And that is why the Catcher in the Rye comp holds up because I was telling Lucy... Oh, sorry, that was my pencil. Uh, when I was telling Lucy, you know, when you read Catcher in the Rye as a teenager, you're kind of like, oh, go Holden. Like, I understand you. <laughs> yes. I feel understood. Even if you're like me and you're a goody two-shoes, mm-hmm. there is something about Holden that you can relate to. Yeah. And then you reread... Catcher in the Rye as an adult. And I still like that book. Mm-hmm. I still love that book. But you read it and you mostly are filled with deep sadness yeah. for Holden. Mm-hmm. And I, at 33, reading this, kept thinking about the horrible, horrible parenting that
1: yes. <laughs> exists
0: in this book. And there are so many pages where I'm like, Theo is 15. Like, mm-hmm. where I'm like, because you think he's narrating kind of looking back. Right. And so the voice is more mature than mm-hmm. that of a 15-year-old, but you're reading it thinking these things are happening to a child. Yeah. Somebody called child protective services mm. now. Like I was angry. I was like yeah. this child needs help. Where are the grown-ups? Right. It it was like um it was like the darkest timeline of Peter Pan's lost boys. I yes. just felt like where where are the parents who belong to these two children? Theo befriends this young man named Boris. Um, Boris is the worst possible influence and yet you also like Boris <laughs> mm-hmm. because he's like Theo and he's <sighs> lost. Yes.
1: Him older, I, I don't, I guess it's just because they were adults and I was like, well, Theo's making this decision. But like, I liked, I understood their friendship. I understood it in both time periods. Yeah.
0: We get to see them as teenagers and then as adult friends. Yes. Um, I'm going to be honest though. Okay. So the Vegas part I felt like could perhaps have been a little shorter. hmm And then there is a part, and maybe this goes back to the drug-addled criticism, there is a part toward the end where I did feel my eyes kind of glazing over, and it's particularly the dialogue, there is a dialogue between Boris and Mm -hmm. Theo, and I believe drugs are involved, but it's also hard to tell, (laughs) um, where I just was kind of like, get to the point already, and at the same time... If one or both of those characters on, are on drugs, well, it makes sense why this conversation right. would be infuriating to me, a yes. sober person. Well, you,
1: like, which is what it's like when you're at a party. Yes. You're literally like, um, can you please get to it? Yes. And as yes. the
0: person who is always sober at every party, yes. I don't go to very many parties, <laughs> let's be clear. But like, as the person who watches her friends drink and then has to like patiently deal with their nonsense, Yes. that is what parts of the back... Probably I don't know fifty to one hundred pages felt like to me mm-hmm. where I was like I'm the sober person having to endure this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that being said, I felt like I needed those sections too. Yeah. So I can't critique it
1: too well, much. That's the you know, it's so funny because like the big critique right right is that it's excessive. But Donna Tart's like Secret History is also it's very like she has like a very descriptive writing style. Yeah. And I don't think it's because the thing is I know that it's excessive, but and I and. Upon a reread, I could definitely see, okay, this could have been edited down a little bit. but I still remember the first time I read it. and it, I think that the the length, like that how detailed she is is part of why it was so readable. Yes, because like you literally are so immersed.
0: You're so immersed. And you and I will say, by the time you reach, like, let's say you are growing weary of mm-hmm. some of these some of these dialogues. and but by the time you reach the last five to ten pages, The payoff is so worth it. Yeah. It's so beautiful, you guys. I can't, I can't believe it. But
1: that's another thing people critiqued though, was this epilogue that they felt like was just so, like, tacked on. And I did not agree with that. I
0: didn't either. I mean, I mean, at first, and I do think if you are a critical reader, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're probably asking yourself, like, wait a minute. Like, or even, okay. I'll give an example. City of Girls, super popular this yes. summer. Um, I loved that book. You mm-hmm. read it, yeah? Right? I okay. Loved it, yeah. The only kind of common critique I saw was that you kind of have to, and I always get this phrase messed up, but you have to suspend belief, right? That's the phrase. It's not suspend disbelief. It's suspend belief. Whatever. Yes. You have to buy the fact that the whole premise of this book is that somebody's writing a letter. Mm-hmm. And then it winds up being like this, you know, what, 500 pages. Yes. <laughs> like, you just have to kind of let go of that. Mm-hmm. In The Goldfinch, I think you have to understand that Theo has been taking you on this journey. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we get this really great story, almost like this Odyssey esque yeah. story. And then at the end, it's not a pretty bow. But he's looking back on these events, and so he is able to, yeah, kind of write this epilogue. Yeah, that I think does fit. Yeah, and gives you some insight into why, because you could lose this train of thought throughout the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The ending helps you know why the painting was important. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Well, because that's I mean, because that's the thing too, right? Is that like so the, the Fabrizius, who is the uh, the the man who painted The Goldfinch, Um, all of his work was... um, His work was lost in a bombing, I Mm think. Yeah, it was... And, and like, it's literally... I mean, it's literally, like, this... It's, like, catastrophe and and this horror of, like, this violence, this act of violence, which... A bombing of some sort, you know, an explosion, um, is kind of what connects them in a really strange way. And so... And
0: the characters at this book, because we've talked, the characters in this book, it's not just Theo, and it's not just Boris. Mm-hmm. Um, t- my favorite mm-hmm. character, and for whatever reason, I pictured him as Hagrid. <laughs> like, Hobie. Hobie. Like, mm-hmm. Hobie, my heart. I yes. loved him so much. And at first, you know, every adult kind of is a failure in this book, mm-hmm. and so I kept waiting for Hobie yeah. to either be a jerk or...
1: <sighs> he would be such, like, you can tell that he is such a, like... <laughs> A real person, a lovely person. Yes. I mean, from beginning to end. Yes. Like.
0: And and I adored him in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, this young woman named Pippa plays a role in the book that I really found valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, this fam, the Barber family. I became deeply attached Mm -hmm. to them.
1: Which can I just say by the way? So Donna Tart. Um, she like this is the second book she's written from a male perspective and something I think she really gets so well is this, which is a criticism that male authors get is the way that women are written. Yes. And I think she writes women the way that a man writes them but with a little bit more... Yes. She, she does it the way that Men want want to accomplish it.
0: Yeah, or should it, or should. Yeah,
1: but but yeah, but she had it has that kind of male gaze. Yeah, but she's just a little bit more nuanced and adds a little adds more depth to that. You're
0: totally right because there were parts of this book where I completely forgot that Donna Tartt wrote this. Yeah, because it does feel like Theo is writing it, a male mm-hmm. is writing it, um, and and the there are a couple of you know not just love interests but just you very much feel like a teenage boy. Yes. It, like when you're reading it, mm-hmm. you see what a teenage boy sees. Yeah. And that's really impressive yeah. to me that she's able, she was able to capture that with all, without also being offensive. Does that right. make sense? yes. Um, so, okay. So should we talk? I feel like we should talk briefly. Let's give ourselves five minutes spoilers. Okay. Okay, so we're at like the 26 minute mark. At the 31 minute mark, we're coming back. Yeah. Okay. There's a point in this book, guys. Boris took the painting. Yeah. I th- through hundreds of pages. You I don't, thought yeah through years of yeah. Theo's life. I thought he had this painting, and <laughs> and look, I was infuriated, and then I kept reminding myself well, that he is a teenager. Like,
1: what did you think whenever the guy like at the because what, what, um, Theo and the guy they're at the Lucius. Di- Lucius, they're at the 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 lunch place or whatever, and then like it's you get this idea of what it is but like you still don't know you
0: still kind of think with Theo which Theo cuz this man kind of is trying to what is he trying to do he's trying to what is that word for the bad things people Black do meal? extort oh, blackmail yeah, okay, like yeah. he's trying to do this to Theo by basically saying i know where your painting is like yes. i know you stole this mm-hmm. and and instead you i very much bought into what Theo like Theo kind of laughs and right. he's like I know where that painting is. This is a decoy. Something has happened. And I'm like, yeah, because it's been in that facility this whole time. (laughs) Like, like, I had no clue. And Mm -hmm. even, like, I was able to go back and think, well, Boris really didn't want Theo to leave, but I thought that's because Boris was drug-addled right. and wanted to go with him but not till the next day and mm. I was so afraid at in that point in the book I was so afraid Theo was going to stay with him that mm-hmm. I just wanted Theo to get out of there right. it never occurred to me that Boris had right. taken the painting yeah um she's a master red herring like i yes. like i felt like i so when that point in the book came and that's not even like the point of the Goldfinch story, mm-hmm. but, but I still gasped.
1: It was such a good little twist kind of, Yes. Yeah. which that's, you know, reading this on second sitting, like you can just see all of the little places where she like plugs it all in. Yes. And I thought that was it's just. It's
0: genius. Yeah. Did, okay. How did you feel briefly? The Barber family is complicated. They're this yes. family that takes Theo in.
1: She originally spent like eight or nine months writing a whole lot more about Platt that never made it into the book. And I want I'd like that short story. I know.
0: I'd like to know more about Platt. I know. I'm here for that. I'm here for that family. Yeah. You know how Salinger like pulled out that... I'm here for a collection about yes. the Barber family. Yeah, <gasps> That's a book I want. Okay. So good. Anyway, Kitsy, like, I kind of loved that mm-hmm. love interest that came into play. But I'll tell you what broke me. I mean, I already felt like I had grieved mm-hmm. and, and mourned. And I felt like this book was sad. Yeah. The moment I find out Andy has died... I almost lost it.
1: Literally, even now I'm like, yes. Wait, <laughs> it w- broke like, my heart. Okay, real quick, this is like a major spoiler, but like the murder at the end, uh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, and I read that, and I remembered at one point that Donna was like, she was like, "It really is a perfect murder" in an interview, and I was like, "What murder? I'm uh, mom <laughs> dying? That's lit." And so I was like, "That isn't a perfect murder." And then I like read it, and I was like, "Oh gosh, yeah, oh, yeah, I panicked." And then, yeah, and yeah,
0: and we don't really know the after effects. Of that, yeah. like Theo kind of gets away with it, and like yeah. we see that as long as art is returned, people don't really care wh- right. where it's where it's come from. Yeah. I I just kept wondering how Theo was gonna get his way. When Theo went with Boris um, to the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. is that right, and the murder occurs, I just thought... Amsterdam. Amsterdam.
1: Is that the Netherlands? I don't know what things are. I'm not a geographer. You know what? The
0: podcast just had this argument, so I'm not going to have it here, but I also don't know geography. So we're just going to leave that there. Okay. (laughs) Um, But anyway, in Amsterdam, they are basically committing this heist. It feels like Oceans yeah. Eleven type of stuff. Yes. But which I appreciated but I also was furious at Theo for going. I was mm-hmm. like, no, we don't we like Boris, but we don't trust Boris. Right. <laughs> Yes. We like Boris, but we don't follow criminals across the globe. Yes. Like, we just don't. And then, when Theo's lost his passport, and I knew that was coming, mm-hmm. I knew that, I saw that sure. I was high-key stressed. I was like, what? You need one of those belly packs you wear under your that shirt. a pack.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, you gotta keep your passport on your person. Right. We are Americans. Keep those passports close. <laughs> like, I do not understand. I just internationally traveled. Keep that thing with you. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that was infuriating to me. But... I so appreciated how even toward the end I'm still getting surprised mm-hmm. and I'm still getting important plot. Yeah. Like I felt like the pacing of this book was really smart. Yeah. Um and so anyway, that's how I feel about those spoilers. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else in the 30 seconds before people come back to us?
1: I don't think so. I don't think like so I'm just yeah, like <laughs> I I, I want to have like a little music moment where we like wait the 30 <laughs> seconds, no. But no, like um, but no, when, when I found out, I will say when Kitsy was with Tom, I was like, how dare you? I was, I
0: did think Kitsy, what have you done? Do we think Kitsy and, they're broken up, right? Not Kitsy and Tom, Kitsy and Theo. They're I mean, done.
1: I think that he, I think he, I think he's so desperately wanted to be part of that family that he stayed. That he stays. hmm That's my, that's my takeaway.
0: And lets her have, like, an open relationship with Tom. Yeah,
1: I mean, I would. I'm not here for that. I'm <laughs> like, I'm not here for it, but that's <laughs> even...
0: Okay. Um, all right. So, another thing I wanted to just briefly talk about, we've addressed the link. I mm-hmm. do want to say, if you are like Annie B. Jones, <laughs> and you love, you're not afraid of a long book, mm-hmm. but you need you some short chapters, yeah. this is for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like Unsheltered, where you're you're kind of you kind of have to really get in it for the long haul. Yeah. This has chapters that are divided into sections. Mm-hmm. I loved it.
1: It's very reader friendly. And it's
0: so reader friendly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I do want to address one thing which I feel like I myself have brought up in past podcast episodes, which is I read The Secret History so I felt like I didn't need to read The Goldfinch. Mm-hmm. Um and so many people I know loved one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull a Chris, which is you can like both things. Yeah. Like I love and adore The Secret History. Mm-hmm. I stand by that love. The Goldfinch is different. So if yeah. you didn't like The Secret History, you might want to try The Goldfinch. Yeah. But I really have a love and appreciation now for both, and I'm yeah. so proud to have read it. I, when I finish a book this thick, I'm always filled with this deep sense of oh, pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's really good.
1: It is really good.
0: It's so good. Thank you for making me read it. I'm glad you did. I've been like <laughs> I've been like waiting for years. <laughs> you waited for yeah. me. Thank could, you. Like, I'm a good
1: friend. What Thank you
0: for waiting for me. You're You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so if you have read The Goldfinch, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can comment on a post. I think you already posted your review, right? I did. Um, I'm about to post my review on my personal Instagram. And then Elon, our social media coordinator, will post so that you can leave hmm. your comments there. And Hunter and I will kind of monitor those. Yes. And, um, if you've got questions or things you wish we talked about. Um, if you are tempted to go see this movie, I i mean, I as I grow up, I don't always insist that people read the book first. Mm-hmm. Because different forms of art, whatever. Right. But this book is so
1: worth your time. I think so.
0: I think so. And I
1: love like that. what you said about going into it blind. I did. And it literally made the best reading experience Like the first time I read it.
0: If you're looking for a treatise on grief, yes. um, if you're looking for a mother-son relationship that'll break you into a million pieces, mm-hmm. if you like A Little Life, if you like Lord of the Flies, <laughs> if, yes. you, if you like... Um, Petra and the Rye mm-hmm. then I feel like I mean
1: if you like good books yeah like
0: <laughs> yeah those were all good yeah. uh, then I think you'll like this and now mm-hmm. I understand why people want to hear more from Donna Tartt mm-hmm. like I get it yeah. I understand okay all right. thank okay. you
1: yeah <laughs> the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we've cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh my God, oh my God.
0: Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, also known as Just the Goldfinch, you can buy it at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. You can learn more at forlornstrangers.com. And if you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, we're finally bringing back our weekly new release episodes, you can check us out on Patreon.com forward slash From the Front Porch. You can also check out our website at FromTheFrontPorchPodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. Did it? Did a funny thing happen? Uh, let me process. Honestly, right now, not many funny things are happening. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly stressful things are happening, and Mm -hmm. that's okay. That's the life of a business. Yeah. Um, You know what, though? A delightful thing happened. Okay. Do you already know?
1: No. I think you do. I might.
0: Olivia's engaged.
1: What, what? I am shook, I, I mean, I saw it coming, but like I'm still shook. That's a uh,
0: genuine reaction. That
1: is so, I'm excited. It
0: did not happen at the bookshelf, just to be clear. She is on vacation this week, but if you know Olivia or feel like you know her because you've interacted with her because she is the manager of our store and she does a wonderful job, tell her congratulations. Yeah. We are thrilled for her. Um, so she and Walt got engaged on their trip to New York recently.
1: That is so exciting. Yeah,
0: so yeah. not a funny thing, but a lovely thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next week.